Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. We're also on BitChute and YouTube, and you'll find the links in the podcast description. We also have four other podcasts, The Awakening, Learn Polish, Meditation, and The Crypto Podcast, and all can be found on RoyCon.com. Today, my guest, former Amazon executive, author of three books, maybe more, not sure, but I know of three. <laughs> Please welcome John Rossman. Roy, great to be here. It is three books, yes. So, so I always like the, in, in, and a newsletter and a newsletter, which so is really important, important, which is important. I want to touch on that as well. But you might let the, because I mean, you know, I've just mentioned author and executive of Amazon, but you've obviously done yeah. a lot more. So you might introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. Uh, John Rossman, uh, the books I've written, it's the Amazon Way series. So the, the most recent one is the Amazon Way, Amazon's 14 Leadership Principles. I was at Amazon a long time ago, so I was there from early 2002 through late 2005. I launched the marketplace business at Amazon, so that's third-party selling at Amazon.com. Today, that's over 58% of all units shipped and sold. And then I left Amazon in late 2005, and I work with clients on their digital strategy and digital transformation, and I live in Seattle, Washington, and it's great to be here. Excellent. I've seen, I don't know, was it from your website, but I've seen you on stage and like, I, I can tell that if you're going around talking about Amazon, it's not scripted. It comes from the heart because I could just see a natural flow, which I love. I love that in the speaker, but I'd love to know your journey from getting into speaking. Yeah, absolutely. So when I left Amazon in late 2005, I was a partner at a management consulting firm um, it was about six years after I left Amazon and I was working at the Gates Foundation. Um, my key client there called me into his office one day and he said, you know, you do a really nice job of kind of taking all the little tricks and strategies from Amazon and, and inserting them into our, our work. And I think you ought to write a book about it. And, you know, I, I had never even thought about writing a book. And the smartest thing I ever did was I said, great, but you're working with me on it. And he, he is a journalist by background and editor and everything. So he's been the perfect business partner uh, on this. And so that kind of started the journey of writing the books. Um, we've written three books, uh, The Amazon Way, we first released in 2014. We just released the third edition of that. I wrote a book about the internet of things called The Amazon Way on IoT, which is a book for business people to help understand how the internet of things can be a business strategy. And then I wrote a book called Think Like Amazon, which is kind of the full playbook. Uh, the Amazon Way is a nice, lightweight read. The Think Like Amazon is a much bigger book of all the, the mechanisms and little tricks from Amazon. But all of this has never been about Amazon. It's about you and what can you take from a company like Amazon to incorporate into your culture, into your strategies, into your techniques. And after I launched the Amazon Way in 2014, I just started getting these invitations for speaking. The firm I was at did a nice job of helping me get out with firms, uh, with companies and everything. And, you know, they just started coming. I was really fortunate uh, early on. I worked with an agency called Executive Speakers Bureau. They do a really nice job of co-brokering deals. And I just feel extremely fortunate to have worked with them all the way through this. And um, it's just been a ton of fun. And so kind of today, my business is kind of a third keynote speaking, a third advisory work, and then a third consulting work where I run projects and, and whatnot for clients. And it's just been the most diverse set of work. And again, it's like, it's never about Amazon. It's about you and helping you figure out like, 
hey, how do I compete in the digital era? Excellent, excellent. And I know because uh, you've done like over 150 keynotes. And what, oh, yeah. I, what I would love to know, because everybody's got their different ways of how they actually talk about it. I would like to know your first 10, how you done them, and your last 10, the difference, what you've learned. Because obviously anything we do, like podcasting, I mean, I have changed over the years, the amount of things that I've done. So I think that would be a good way because some people are wanting to do keynotes and they might be able to relate to what you're saying. Yeah, I think one of the first pieces of good advice I heard was have a great opening line, have a solid closing line and keep the distance between the two of them as short as possible. Uh, So I always thought that that was a pretty funny piece of advice and to some degree really true. So where I started, you know, the benefit of writing a book is it really drives, at least for me, is it drove clarity in my thinking. And, and you know, there's, there's 14 leadership principles. So the leadership principles, kind of having that discrete number of, of items really sets up well for a book and it helps set up for, for a keynote speaking session too. And because I had used these so much during and explaining them to clients and teams and everything, I actually like it. it, it it's like a, a presentation at a client for me. And so I, di- I didn't find it too intimidating or, or where I, I, I really felt like I had a big learning curve. I think, I think my, my slideware uh, has come a long way. And so my presentation looks a lot better today. And the thing I've been doing recently is I, I speak without notes and without a presentation and everything. And that's really fun for me. And as you kind of commented, like I, I don't, I, I, I don't memorize a keynote. I have a set of topics that I'm going to cover, but exactly what I say and how I say it, like sometimes even surprises me uh, and everything. And, and oftentimes, you know, before a presentation, you know, somebody asked me like, Oh, what are you talking about today? And I go, I don't know. I got to figure that out, you know, and everything. Right. And to some degree, like that's a half joke because it's like, yeah, I got to kind of, you know, figure it out. But I, but I like real time ability to improv, to be, to improvenate on it because I'm trying to sense like, well, what's the client, what's the, what's the topic in the room or the conference or the executive team meeting that I'm at and try to put things into their language and into their scenarios. And because I can, I can, uh, I give myself a lot of latitude, I'm able to do that really dynamically. And the other thing I love to do is I'll take as much of this, of my time, you know, say you're allotted an hour, I'll take as much into a Q&A and discussion mode as prepared remarks. So the more it's Q&A, the better, because that's really the audience saying, well, I'm, I'm figuring out how do I incorporate this? Stuff? How do, what does it mean to my business uh, to think uh, through some of these matters um, that, that you've, you've brought up? So uh, I, I really like not being tied to a script uh, per se. I suppose with the Q&A as well, a lot of the audience will go away, especially if, if they've actually asked the question, actually liking it a lot more, you know, because they felt the connection with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And do you have any kind of warm up kind of ritual that you do before you go on stage? Because some people, they're grand, they just go out. I've seen you people know, pace you know, in the, the hall as well. Yeah. The, yeah. The key thing for me is I just like to be quiet uh, and everything. So I don't like being, and sometimes you are, and that's fine and everything, but I don't like where I'm having to have conversations beforehand. I like to be kind of quiet, 
you know, kind of get in the zone, have my thoughts to myself. That that's helps me out. Uh, other than that, I, I, you know, I don't sing any warm up songs or anything like that. But uh, just being quiet is kind of what's helpful for me. And that's it. And I know you do workshops as well. So you might, yes, sir. Uh, are they, how long are they? Are they, do they vary two hours, half day? And how do you structure them as well? Yeah. So it, again, it can be very custom. A, a day is probably to really do a workshop is probably the shortest, but I've done up, up to three day kind of master classes uh, and whatnot. And what we're typically working on is a set of exercises to help think through like what's their digital strategy or their, their transformation or, you know, what are the opportunities from a customer experience or business model standpoint. And, you know, you kind of talk a little bit about some of the, the tools and practices and, and lessons to learn from Amazon and then, and then give them time to kind of work on it themselves. And then we present And then we do kind of the next exercise and whatnot. And so typically in a workshop, what I'm trying to do is both have them hear some strategies and mechanisms, practice some strategies and mechanisms, and make actual progress on like whatever the topic is that they, that they need to be going back. So give them a, a, uh, an accelerated whether it's a strategy development or a plan or a concept development, kind of accelerate them in that actual topic. No, brilliant. And I see like you were featured in the New York Times, CNBC and probably others. Was that based on being the author or was it because of your position in Amazon? Uh, it, 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 it was based on being an author, but it's really based on Amazon. Right. And so, so, you know, in, Amazon is to me, and, and I think, you know, you, you, th this is an opinion, so it can be argued, right? I think it's the most interesting company in the digital era. And it's the most interesting company in the digital era, partially because of what they do, but I think it's more because of how they do it, right? Like, what is their culture? What is their, how does management work? And I've, captured that story and it's and it and it's industry agnostic right and it scales you can use it as a person you can use it as a team you can use it as an enterprise and so that how they go about you know we can call it culture but it's really the habits of what management does that's the story i've tried to capture and i've just been so fortunate that i was able to be at amazon i i you know i always comment on like i paid attention in class for the first time and got to capture that story. And now I've had the opportunity of tuning it and practicing it in every other context, because it's one thing to kind of know something. It's another thing to know, how do I apply it in different circumstances? And I've had the opportunity to really, you know, practice and hopefully refine uh, that ability over a long period of time. But, but really, like, I just think the world is fascinated by Amazon and that that's really helped create the opportunity I have. Excellent. And I suppose let's delve into your latest book. You might kind of talk about some of the chapters and what's covered. Yeah. In it. yeah. So uh, it, again, it's called the Amazon uh, way and uh, Amazon's 14 leadership principles. And I really, it's kind of my personal story of my time at Amazon and the leadership principles and kind of what they mean for you and everything. The, the first leadership principle is customer obsession. And it reads, leaders start with the customer and work backwards. They work vigorously to earn and keep customer trust. Although leaders pay attention to competitors, they obsess over customers. 
It's the first and kind of most famous of the leadership principles. And the mistake that some companies make is that they think like, well, all we need is customer obsession. Like, no, you need, you need to have multiple tools uh, and know how to use them in different moments. Customer centricity or customer obsession. I write a lot about customer centricity in, in my newsletter, the Digital Leader newsletter. But customer centricity really has two major uh, lanes that you can explore, and both are really important. The first is kind of a tactical lane. How do we get today's transaction and today's order, today's service perfect for our customer? Well, that's really our operational excellence capability. And the other is a more strategic lens of customer centricity or customer obsession, which is how do we, how are we curious over a long period of time about the, the longitudinal customer experience, the long customer experience upstream and downstream from, you know, we operate in a little place of that customer experience and really figuring out how to find opportunities to serve your customer in broader ways. That's really the the 27 year history of Amazon is going upstream and downstream in different customer experiences and the willingness to explore uh, and invent them, which gets to the next leadership principle I'll talk about, which is the, the third one, which is invent and simplify. And what I always found is so fascinating about that leadership principle is that simplification was like, oh, that's as important as invention. Invention sounds really cool and really hard, like simplifying stuff, like that must be easy. That's child's play. Actually simplify, simplifying things is vital and it's really hard work. And as a leader at Amazon, as an operational leader at Amazon, you are always very focused on scaling. And scaling means being able to do more on an improving productivity basis, right? A unit cost basis. And what most companies, they, they think of scalability as just being able to do more and they actually get inefficient over scale. And at Amazon, you are always being forced to get more efficient with scale. And what we recognized was that simplifying our processes, simplifying our roles, simplifying our data flows, simplifying our applications, automating and integrating the work, well, that's the most important thing you can do in order to scale. So that's a really important uh, leadership principle. And then, you know, I'll skip down to the, the 14th, which is called dive deep. Oh, no, I'm sorry, uh, deliver results. And it talks about that leaders focus on the key inputs for their business and deliver them with the right quality and in a timely fashion. Despite setbacks, they rise to the occasion and never settle. Well, the, the story to get out of that is that most companies and most teams, when they're planning, what they spend most of the time on is outputs, right? Like, well, how many units? What's the revenue? And things like that. Those, those, are, those are things that come out of your work and you, and you have less direct control on those versus debating more time and writing out what are the inputs? What are the things I need to do, test? What are my risks? What, what are the things that I can put into my control in order to achieve those outputs? And so at Amazon, you spend much more time writing and debating your plans and especially the focus on the inputs that you're gonna get there versus the output. So those are a few of the, the tidbits and, and the mechanisms, the tools that you get out um, from a company like Amazon. And like when you're kind of simplifying, having systems in place, 
what's the best way of getting employees to get on board that? Because I, obviously if it's automated, that's a different thing. But when you need yep. the employees input, what's the best strategy for that? Uh, 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 consistent and simple and honest communication. Like that's, that's, that's always the tool of bringing people along and being able to, you know, be transparent. And if you, if you start that early and you're consistent about it, um, you're going to build the right environment and the right tools to bring people along relative to those changes. And I think it's a really important aspect of, you know, creating an environment where, you know, our job is change, right? And, and that means we get to change along with it. And so if you create a culture that admires fungibility, fungibility means the ability to do multiple things, right? Versus just doing one thing, then you create the environment that lets you evolve how work happens um, and not be locked into specific places and time. And so, you know, communication is uh, the most important tool we have as leaders. And that's both written and verbal, keeping it simple, keeping it direct, keeping it honest and keeping it consistent. Excellent, excellent. And have you done uh, the audio of the books? Yeah, great question. I uh, did not. I recorded the, the first chapter in a couple of them, but then a, a, a professional voice actor uh, did the rest. That's really hard to do. It's funny the way I read. Um, I don't read words. I read sentences. And so I sometimes will switch a word when I'm reading something out loud. And, you know, the rule is when you're reading a book, like you have to say exactly what is written. You, 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 like, I don't know whether it's a legal stipulation or just the ethics of it or whatever, like you can't. And so I have a real time, hard, hard time doing that because that's not the way I read content. And so, no, I'm, I, 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 I will not be pursuing a role as a voice actor. And with the, the newsletter then that you do, the the, 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 the digital leader, yeah, that the weekly, yes. yep. so you might tell me a bit about that. And did, did that lead to parts that were put into the book then as well? Yeah. So um, I started this newsletter just about a year ago. It's called the Digital Leader Newsletter. You can find it at Substack. You can sign up for free. Uh, you can pay me if you want to, but you can sign up for free. And um, it, it's, a, it's a newsletter for change agents, right? So people who are trying to create change uh, in their lives and in, the, in, their, in their companies. And each week I try to give a pithy little tool or technique uh, that they can put to work. And it really gives me the vehicle. It, it does, it's been such a great tool and vehicle for me because I get to explore things broader than just from Amazon. So I've been, I, I borrow from, a, from much broader topics than just Amazon. It lets me try out messages and techniques. A book is a tough place to try things out, right? It's not a great experimentation platform. And it lets me, you know, keep in touch with people on a pretty lightweight basis every week, about every week uh, and everything. And so the Digital Leader Newsletter, it's been a ton of fun. I get great feedback from it. And um, it's just this great habit of forcing me to write something specific, complete, hopefully of high quality uh, each and every week. And yes, at some point, some of that stuff may roll into another book. Oh, excellent. And when, like, because, you know, you do the speaking, you're the author, do you, when you're marketing yourself, do you combine them all together? Is everything 
the one thing and what's your kind of call to social media because i'm very curious lately because there's so much social media out there and i know you've got a big twitter account and i'm not sure about the other one but like what's your call on that yeah i probably downplay a little bit all the social media linkedin is is probably the the one where i'm most active and i and i don't over overdo it uh twitter a little bit and you know what what i really you know just try to you know kind of everything is kind of like under the amazon way seems to be the easiest kind of structure to put it all under but you know what i what i try to be consistent about is like it's not about amazon it's about you and i'm helping to try try i'm trying to help you compete in the digital era and that that seems to get the job done excellent so when you're kind of trying to help a leader get innovation in a company what kind of what way would you go about it well i mean you really have to understand the circumstance like i i i just i i i believe that you know prescription without diagnostic is mal- is malpractice right like when you are really like okay we're going to we're going to help you accomplish something recommendations before we understand the situation is is really i think malpractice because it 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 depends right like you have to understand like what's the situation what are your goals what's the heritage you come from what are the good things that you want to build on i i really like this concept of kind of shrink the change right like how do you how do you get the most done with the least amount of change in an organization that's that's the surest path towards uh success and so i spend a lot of time talking and listening and asking calibrated questions and then studying the environment both internally and externally especially on innovation you really need to understand their customers and and what are the opportunities to serve their customers in a new way but at the end of the day innovation is a is a systematic process and what you know i always ask i'll i'll ask an audience like hey who here believes that innovation is critical for their company's success over the next 5 years everybody will raise their hand and then i'll ask who here has a deliberate process for how you make decisions scan for ideas trial and test how you how you uh think about decision making rights how you allocate resources like who has a real deliberate process for innovation rarely does anybody raise their hand right and and so that disconnect between we all know we have to innovate but yet we don't have an actual process for it like to me that like that's just you know kind of laughable that's that's it, it it doesn't make sense to me and so i'm trying to match those two things up like we know we have to innovate let's figure out some type of consistent approach to get you started i i you know especially in a company that that uh is more analog doesn't have a lot of experience in in agile approaches and you know, like let's find some quick and easy wins right we're going to start with something we 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 have a pretty good hunch is going to work and then we kind of build from success and then at some point we start kind of taking more more calibrated risks but the key throughout all that is keep your experiments as small as possible so that you can actually afford to let them do what experiments should do which is some succeed and some fail but you'll learn from both excellent and like i know that you go into a lot of top companies and obviously you're hired by the you know whether it's the ceo or the 
board of directors you know the high, high level but sometimes in cooperation because i've seen it here just with friends that have worked they don't treat their people well there's a, it's like kind of rotten to the core are you able to see that do you actually go in and kind of find out to to make the right yeah, changes yeah. Yeah, it really does. You know, at the end of the day, you can do a lot of things in kind of the middle part of the management and stuff. But if you can't get the executive team and the CEO to truly understand like, hey, the change that we need to make starts with you, you know, and everything, right? And kind of, and, and it's different in every case, right? But tuning kind of some of their approaches and the specific things they say, they reward, they, they grimace at, those are signals that the organization picks up and, and really set the tone and tempo for, you know, what the culture is and what's going to be uh, prioritized and prized in an organization. And so it really is about getting to the senior leadership and creating change there and, I always say like, hey, I don't need you to just agree with this stuff. I need you to be the biggest advocate for it. Like you, you have to be the person out there that's leading the charge and embracing this change for it to really be effective. That's sometimes pretty hard to do. It's not, it, you know, it, it doesn't always work, right? And just like finally on the book, because I, I, I love marketing and I know that even podcasts, being on podcasts is a good way. But what other form, because you've like, I think you said 2014, you did the first one. So what like, because there's a lot of speakers actually write a book because they realize it's a good way of getting, you know, or becoming the specialist for a certain thing. What marketing have you learned for actually getting more sales? What, what, what kind of things would you recommend? I don't know if I have any secret success. I think writing, you know, writing a good book is key. People think writing a book, but writing a good, simple book is, is, is the start of all of it. And, and make sure there's more than just one message in it, more than one thing to take away from it. Too many books are just really one idea. It should be a blog post and not a book. And then, um, Boy, just getting out there and 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 talking to people. I, I I've invested a lot in sending people a copy of the book. Uh, getting book reviews uh, at Amazon are, are, is really important. Um, and 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 just being persistent in getting out and talking about it, and you know, making sure it's not about the book. It's about your audience and what they can take from it. Um, I don't have any other real secrets of success, and I, I've probably you know, have, I'm not the best example of somebody who does a world-class job at, at, at marketing, but if you have authentic, valuable IP, meaning like stuff people can take from, from your work, it, it, that's going to be the most essential element that creates success because if people get value from it, the flywheel starts. Excellent. No. Perfect. Listen, John, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. So how can people get in contact with you? Well, um, my website uh, is uh, rossmanpartners.com. Substack, you can find the Digital Leader Newsletter. And LinkedIn is probably, you know, the easiest way, John Rossman. You can find me on LinkedIn. I love to connect. And um, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be here today, Roy. Thank you very much, John. Yeah, and I'll make sure I put the link both on the audio and the video. Perfect.
That's all for the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com. As mentioned, we're on BitChute and YouTube, and you find the links in the podcast description. Be sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, and a review. And if you buy John's book, make sure you give him a review as well. It all helps in the algorithms, and more people will get to see it. Until next week, take care.